this was written, I think, in uh, 1936 uh, or 1926 there. Uh, but it's called One Solitary Life. And it's just a good summary of, of the Lord Jesus and what he did uh, in this life. So uh, it's, yeah, it's called, like I said, it's called One Solitary Life. Uh, in talking about Jesus, and it said that he was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. It says he never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never went to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself, and he was only 33. His friends ran away, and one of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves, and while dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property that he had on earth. And when he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. And, of course, it says 19 centuries have come and gone, but now it's been 20 centuries have come and gone. And today, Jesus is a central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. And all the armies that have ever marched and all the navies that have ever sailed and all the parliaments that have ever sat and all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. Uh, and I think that's just a good summary of the Lord Jesus, you know. Uh, I mean, all these have been 2,000 years. Uh, and, you know, uh, what, what's the one religion everybody always seems to be against? It's always Christianity. You know, no one's against the Muslims. No one's against the Buddhists. No one's against the Hindus. No one's against, you know, the, the tree-hugging, uh, whatever, the, you know, all of that stuff. I mean, no one's against the Wiccans, right? I mean, uh it's uh, it's Christianity, and it's because it's the one true God, Amen. And the, the rebellious spirits of the world hate the Lord Jesus, hate everything about the Lord Jesus. Uh, and He came in just as quiet as He could in in a little town in the middle of nowhere, uh, but He sure left with a big bang, didn't He? Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and nothing is the world has never been the same since then, Amen. And every life that receives the Lord Jesus, even today, uh, will never be the same. Uh, and that's one reason why we're on this earth to get people into the kingdom of heaven, get the spirit of God in them, right? Get them born again on the way to heaven. Uh, and if they'll do that, their entire trajectory of their life will change. Amen. Uh, and um, uh, and I, you know, I always encourage people get as close to the Lord Jesus as you can. Uh, you know, we don't want to live lives of just destruction and mayhem all the days of our lives. Amen. The Lord Jesus can lift us up and, and bring us out of all of that mess. Amen. Uh, you know, I was raised by a pack of wolves and, and, um, you know, I mean, not really literally a pack of wolves, but you know, we had an interesting childhood growing up. Uh, and, um, uh, when I got a hold of the word of God, I realized I get to decide the kind of person I want to be, uh, and through faith in the word of God and in the power of the Lord Jesus living in my life, then that's who I can become. Amen. And I don't know that I'm a hundred percent there, but I'm a whole lot further now than I was when I got saved. Amen. Uh, and so. Uh, let the Lord Jesus change you. He's changed the entire world. Amen. Uh, and someday we'll get a whole new everything. We get a new heaven, new earth, new bodies, new, new. Uh, 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 I don't know if the universe is going to be new, but I know that the earth will be new. Uh, we get a whole bunch of new stuff. Uh, between now and then, we have faith uh, to carry us through to the end. Amen. Uh, and so uh, I thank God for this time of year. I, 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 I'm always thrilled about Christmas time. I think it's great that the world gets to hear about Jesus, amen? I know all the, all the negatives about it, but who cares? Jesus is still there, right? There's more talk about Jesus at Christmas time than there is uh, really the whole rest of the year, at least in our society. 
uh, and uh, it's a good thing. Amen. Uh, and so uh, we thank God for that. So let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get in praise and worship. Father, we understand that the vast majority of the earth didn't even take notice. But every being in heaven, Father, stood at attention. And every being in heaven rejoiced at the coming, Father, of you into the earth. And so, Lord, we thank you that you chose to do that on our behalf. Father, we thank you that you had it planned out from before the beginning of the earth, Father. Lord, we thank you for being so kind to redeem mankind from our own sins, Father, from our own failures. You chose to pay the great price, Father. And it all began by you coming into the earth. So, Father, we thank you for that. Yes, thank you. And, Father, we thank you that in this time and season, as the world rejoices at your coming, Father, that we remind ourselves exactly what you did for us. And Father, it, it only began at your coming, Father, but it ended after you lived a life on this earth and chose to give up your own life for the benefit of all mankind. And so, Father, we thank you for that. That once the plan began, Father, you would see it to the very end. And now, Father, all these years later, every man, woman, and child on the earth has a right and a privilege to go to heaven and spend all eternity with you, Father, in the presence of the Most High Father. Lord, we thank you for these things. We'll always appreciate what you've done for us, Father. We thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, the, there's that one line in that, in that last song that when he appeared that the, that, uh, the soul felt its worth. You know, that's really a, a pretty good line in that song because... Um, you know, a lot of people feel like they're of no value in the earth. You know, they feel like their their lives are of no value, that they're, they're them as a human being, that they have no value at all. Uh, but then the Lord Jesus himself comes to the earth and he says, I, I, I came for you. I came for your soul. Your soul is valuable enough to me that I would come and die for that. Uh, and if you can ever allow yourself to feel uh, and I don't, I don't, I'm not talking about just emotions, but just sense the value that the Lord placed upon you. Yeah. You know, you would never think less about yourself. You know, a lot of people think oh, I'm no value, I'm no, I'm, I'm no count, I'm unworthy. Well, uh, you may think that, but that's not what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords thinks about you. He thinks a lot of you. He thinks enough of you that he thought that your soul, your spirit, your life was valuable enough for him to come down to the earth and to live a life as a human being and die on your behalf. That, that must mean he places a great value in your life. Amen? Uh, and so don't ever sell yourself short, because the devil loves to tell you, you're, you know, who am I? I'm just nobody. You know, I'm worthless. You know, people will often tell you you're worthless. Uh, but then, you know, people will say that to me, and I think, well, you may say that, but I know this king. He's the king of kings. And he thought I was worthy enough to come to the earth to die for me. And you're telling me that you don't think I'm very valuable, but he's telling me that I'm worth all the price of the universe. Uh, and, and so I, don't, I can't give you a second of my time to consider your opinion of what I'm worth. I'm going to take the opinion of the great King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His opinion has great, carries much greater weight 
than whatever your opinion of me might be. Amen. Uh, and people may think that's arrogant. Uh, it's not arrogant. It's just what the word says. Amen. Uh, that uh, when he appeared, the soul felt its worth. You know, you did this for me. Yeah, he did it for you. You know, he didn't do it for the guy sitting next to you. He did it for you. Amen. Uh, he thought your soul, your spirit, your eternal value was worth him sending his very own son. You know, he could have sent, you know, a, a class two angel to, to the earth. Right. Uh, but he chose not to. And I don't know that it would have worked anyway, you know, but, you know, I'm just saying that just uh, uh, just saying that. But uh, but he sent his own son for your soul, your very soul, right? Your spirit, man. He sent his son, the greatest price of the universe, because that's what he thinks of you. Amen. So, you know, you should think you should walk around just a little taller every day. You know, I, I walk around thinking hey, you love me, you know, and if you love me, what's it matter what anybody else thinks of me? Amen. Because, you know, I get all kinds of people who love me, you know, uh, uh, and, and uh, uh, there seems to be two classes of people in my life, people who love me and people who despise that I breathe air, you know, uh, and, and, you know, I feel sorry for the second crowd because they, you know, they've never met me, apparently, you know, and, uh, but, you know, uh, they'll try to tell you that you're of no value. It's like, yeah, but I, I just can't get past that. The king died for me. Uh, and um, uh, and so. You know, uh, when people th- say that, it just it really has no impact on my life that, you know, who you do, you know, you're the worst this, you're the worst that. You know, I've been told I'm the worst pastor and the worst teacher and the worst, you know, you. In fact, I've been told I'm the worst brother and the worst, you know. Uh, and in fact, one person was giving me a list of all the things I was bad at. And I said, uh, you know, you think you could send that an email because I'm losing track of all the terrible things. And I'm, I actually said that to him, you know, it didn't make him really happy, you know. But I thought, well, if you could just send a list of all the things I'm bad at, maybe, you know, we could talk about because I've lost, you know, you lost me after about 20 or so, you know. And so it's like whatever, you know. But then they say all that and as, as they're saying, I'm thinking, yeah, but this king died yeah, for me. That's right. You know, he died for me. You know, I know he died for you, too, but, you know, I think he just I'm 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 pretty sure that I'm his favorite, you know, so uh, but um, uh, but the soul felt its worth. Do you feel your worth? Do You feel like, you know, because if you ever think that you're of no value, uh, that is a lie. That's the biggest lie that ever was a lie. Right. Uh, You know, Jesus didn't come down and die for the puppies and the seals, you know, and we thank God for puppies and seals. But he didn't come down, die for them. Of course, they weren't in sin either. You know, so that's that's a different issue. But. He came and died for you, amen, and for me. So I just feel warm and fuzzy every day when I think about that, amen? amen. And so uh, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Isaiah. You know, I don't usually do this. I don't usually have a special uh, Christmas message, you know. It just, uh, you know, if there's one there, I, I do it. And in fact, I was thinking, that, you know, Lord, have I ever actually had a Christmas message? You know, I don't know that I ever had, but, you know, I was uh, just uh, getting ready and just, well, Lord, you know, we could continue on with our with our current uh, series, you know, and, and that's fine. I never have a problem with that. Uh, but uh, just it just felt good in my heart to uh, have a message today. And so we're going to talk about the three reasons why Jesus had to be born of a virgin. Uh, and so we're going to start here in the book of Isaiah. And uh, this is Isaiah, uh, the prophet speaking, he says in Isaiah chapter seven <clears throat> in verse 14, He says, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And we know Emmanuel means God with us. Right. Uh, And so was God with us when he arrived on the earth? Well, he was right. He has arrived on the earth. Uh, And so uh, this is the the prophecy of the Lord Jesus. And and, uh, I think it was Kenneth Copeland was talking about this one time. 
He said, you know, the devil didn't even know this, this could happen. You know, he didn't know this was a possibility. Because if you, if you can read it in such a way that, you know, well, you know, if she never had children before, you know, then Jesus would be her first child. So, um, uh, so in that sense, she was a virgin until she had the first child. And then after that, but, uh, the, you know, that's not exactly what it's saying. Now, you could read it that way because that's what somebody who doesn't have any revelation, that's the way they would read it, right? That's the way the devil would read it. Oh, you know, she's going to be the, her, her first child, right? Uh, in, in fact, we were at church one day uh, and my pastor was preaching and, and, uh, about the Lord Jesus and, and someone raised their hand and said, uh, was Jesus the oldest? Uh, and then, of course, you've got to think about that for just a minute, right? You think about well, that question is like, well, yeah, because he couldn't be like the second child because then she couldn't be a virgin, you know, for the... <laughs> Y'all think about that, you know, and you'll get it by the end of the service there, right? So, um, so this is the prophecy. Of course, this happened, you know, this is, you know, hundreds of years before the Lord Jesus was born in the earth, right? Uh, so it was a prophecy. And, you know, I've always wondered uh, why there's a single person uh, in the Jewish nation that doesn't believe in the Lord Jesus. I mean, uh, all the prophecies, they could just go through all the prophecies and just read all the prophecies and see how he fulfilled all of these prophecies, including this one here in one of their favorite books of Isaiah. Uh, they hold the book of Isaiah in high regard. Uh, you know, this is a prophecy that, uh, uh, that he fulfilled, right? Uh, and so uh, let's turn over to the book of Romans, uh, chapter five. So <clears throat> um, before we get into our, our three reasons here and how much time we got. Oh, yeah, we've got several hours here. So we don't have healing school. Right. So we can preach right up to three o'clock. Is that right? Uh, and, and so. Um, so uh, we want to establish wh what the condition of mankind was when Jesus came into the earth. Right. And, and this condition started really in Genesis, chapter three with the fall of mankind. But I wanted to read it uh, to, let you, to let us know and understand uh, what, what the state of mankind was because that kind of goes into uh, the reasons why Jesus had to be born of a virgin into the earth. And so here we are in Romans chapter 5. It says in verse 12, it says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world. So who was the one man that sin entered into the world by? Adam, Adam right? Did it say, uh, whereby is one woman sin entered the world? So one man, right? So, so who's he talking about specifically? He's talking about Adam, right? And so, you know, all the women said, amen. It's all Adam's fault, you know. Uh, it's, uh, all of the woes of humanity are because of a man, right? And, of course, the women have known that for a long time, right? Uh, and so, but there was, uh, anybody ever heard of uh, William Branham, right? He was a great prophet back in the healing revival days. He always said that Eve was the, was the root cause of all of man's problems. And, and, of course, he wasn't a very good teacher, uh, but, um, but a lot of the church picked on Eve for years, you know, it's like, well, have you ever actually read the Bible? I mean, it literally says that one man sent by one man sent entered to the world, right? Who was the authority in the earth at that time? Adam was right. Uh, the, the authority was given to Adam. And so he was supposed to be ruling and reigning in authority. And of course we could go into a lot of, you know, uh, we, we can't go into everything because we're going to try and get it all done here today, right? So normally we could teach on this for months and months, but we're not going to do that, right? So buckle up, hang on, we're going to see if we can get through it, right? So by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, and so death passed unto all men so that all have sinned. Uh, so here's the deal. So the sin nature is in mankind, and so uh, turn over to, we're in chapter 5, turn over to chapter 7 there. Uh, it's, uh, it says here in verse 17, uh, Paul is talking. He says, now then it is no more I that do it. He's talking about the sin that he doesn't want to do and uh, not doing the good things that he should be doing. He said, but sin that dwelleth in me. 
He said, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that will, uh, which is good, I find not. So Paul is saying that, that sin is present with him. So, so we understand that the, it's called the sin nature, right? It's not necessarily a biblical term, but uh, in some translations it's called the sin nature. Uh, so it's called the sin nature and it resides in your flesh. Uh, and that came about because of Romans chapter 5 when Adam sinned. It says death passed unto all men. So just it's a little bit of a technicality, but it's an important technicality that the sin nature is passed down from generation to generation through the father. Right. Sin, uh, by one man sin into the world and, and, uh, uh, and death by sin. Uh, therefore, uh, uh, go back to chapter five there. He says, uh, well, and so death passed unto all men so that all have sinned. So death has passed to all men, that sin nature, which sin and death always go together, that sin nature is passed down from gener generation to generation by the Father. So if that's true, which is true, then, of course, that means every single human being since Adam has received the sin nature because of Adam's sin, because every single human being on the earth has always had a natural father and natural mother. And so if you could somehow bypass that, then uh, then you know, you wouldn't have the sin nature, right? And so uh, that kind of gets into then uh, the first reason why Jesus had to be born of a virgin so that uh, the sin nature wasn't passed to his flesh. So he didn't have the sin nature in him. Uh, and so why is that important? Well, that's, that's important for a lot of reasons. Uh, the, the one reason why is, you know, not necessarily any particular order of, of these things here. Uh, but one reason why is because he had to be the lamb of God. Right. Uh, remember, he remember when John saw him come out, uh, come to him at the River Jordan. He said, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So he had to be the perfect lamb of God. And we know if you go back to uh, the book of Exodus and go back to um, uh, when they were having the Passover there, they had to have a, had to have a lamb that was slaughtered. Right. And killed and the blood put on the doorpost. But it had to be a lamb without spot or blemish. Right. It had to be a perfect lamb. So one of the big reasons why Jesus had to be born of a virgin so that he could be qualified to be the perfect sacrifice. Because if he had sin nature in him, see, then he wouldn't be a perfect sacrifice, right? He'd have a blot or a blemish on him, right? And in fact, we all know that we're going to get a glorified body someday because our bodies, the ones we have right now, have all been touched by the sin nature. They carry the sin nature in them. And there's really nothing you can do about it. So we have to get a new body, right? A, a brand new glorified body. And that'll happen sometime in the future, right? Not today, not, not, uh, not today or tomorrow, unless the Lord Jesus comes back. And I, I'd, be, uh, it'd be, I'd be surprised if he came back today, right? Just because we still got work to do in the church, right? There needs to be a great revival. The, the churches need to, uh, to be uh, out there evangelizing the world, amen? Uh, and so, so Jesus, uh, his, one of his qualifications, one of the things he had to do, right? We're not going to go into all the plan of redemption. We don't have nearly that much time, but, but one of the, he had to be the perfect lamb. We couldn't be the perfect lamb if he had the sin nature in him. So he had to bypass that somehow. And the way that he bypassed it is since the sin nature was passed down through the father, if he didn't have a natural father, then he didn't receive the sin nature when he was born. So he was born. So, he, so when he was born in the earth, uh, he still was a human being, but he, he bypassed the sin nature that was passed down through his father, which would have been Joseph, right? If he'd had a natural father. Uh, and so, uh, it, and I'm not going to go through and read all of these verses. I mean, if you want them, I've got like seven pages of notes here. You're welcome to all of those notes there. But um, I'm just going to read 1 Peter 
chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So Jesus was, was clean, right? His, he was qualified to be the perfect lamb of God, right? And, and that was really a, kind of a, a big deal, uh, amen? Uh, which then tells you that nobody else in the universe, nobody, no other human being has ever been qualified to be a, a sacrifice for all of humanity, right? Because they, were, uh, they didn't meet the qualifications. It had to be a lamb without spot, right? Without blemish. Uh, and then uh, turn over to John chapter 3 here. And again, we may just have to uh, mention these verses and, and not necessarily turn to all of them so, so we can get to, get to our three reasons. And so, but here in John chapter 3, it says in verse 34, it says, talking about the Lord Jesus, For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. So, uh, in other words, uh, that, uh, that the Spirit of God, Jesus had the Spirit without measure, right? God gave not the Spirit uh, by measure unto him. So Jesus had the spirit without measure. So if you go to Romans chapter 3 or Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says that we have the measure of faith. So, so we have a measure of the spirit, but Jesus had a spirit without measure. Uh, and, and now this is a bit, a bit of my opinion. I, uh, I believe the reason why is because we have the sin nature in our physical bodies and our, our bodies are also the temple of the Holy Spirit. So there's a bit of a conflict there. Uh, and I don't know that our bodies could contain in, in a body that has the sin nature, I don't know that our bodies could contain the spirit without measure. Uh, it, probably in the future, it doesn't really say that, but probably in the future when we get a glorified body, we would be able to contain the spirit without measure. I don't know what all that means, uh, what, how that will affect us, uh, but Jesus needed to have the spirit without measure on the earth, and he couldn't do that if he had the sin nature in his flesh because uh, we as, as uh, limited beings uh, with the sin nature in us we only have a measure of the spirit. Now that measure is enough to raise the dead and move the mountains and call the trees to uh, call the sycamine trees to go into the uh, into the sea. So I mean, we have enough spirit to get the job done. Amen. Uh, but Jesus had the spirit without measure, so uh, a slightly different uh, situation than we had. Um, and then uh, then the the last point of that about uh, not having the sin nature in him uh, that means that his body. Uh, was not subject to death, right? So Adam's, uh, Adam would have been alive today if he had not sinned, right? Because remember the, the prophecy that the Lord had told him and said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for, for in doing so, uh, in dying thou shalt die, right? Because uh, that's what the Hebrew says, that uh, if he eats of the tree, he shall die. But in the Hebrew, it really means that in dying thou shalt surely die. So when he ate of the tree, he died spiritually, was separated from the life of God, but 900 years later or so, uh, it finally caught up with him and he died physically. Uh, he would never have died physically if uh, he had not eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Because for sin into the world and death by sin. So sin comes first, then death comes along after that. So Adam died uh, physically because of the sin nature that he received when he rebelled against the Lord. Uh, so Jesus didn't have that uh, sin nature. He didn't have that death reigning in him. So he would be alive today uh, if he wanted to. So, so that's an important thing, because if you go over to John chapter 10, in fact, maybe, maybe it'd be helpful to, uh, uh, to read that in John chapter 10. So we'll just, we'll just run through the Bible today. You want to? Um, uh, in John chapter 10, 
Jesus is talking about, of course, the, the whole chapter is talking about his ministry as the shepherd. Uh, but then he gets toward the end of the chapter there uh, in verse 17. I guess about the middle of the chapter there. He says, um, uh, verse, se- verse 17, uh, Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man take it, take, taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power or authority to lay it down. I have the power or authority to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. So Jesus had a body that was not subject to death. You really couldn't kill him. Uh, the only way that he could leave this earth physically is either for him to get involved in sin like Adam. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a, in a little bit or uh, to choose to die. So he chose to die. Now, we all talk about the Romans killed him. The Jews killed him, really. But really, you know, because he was not subject to death, uh, he says right here that no man takes it from him. So he wasn't actually killed. I mean, you know, we know that in, in essence, you know, they, they put him up there on the cross. But he died when he decided to die. Amen. Uh, and so because uh, he said, I have the authority to do that. I get to choose when I die. Amen. Well, you know, we kind of have that authority today as a church. You know that, right? We, we can choose when we die. Amen. Now, we will die because we do have the sin nature in us. Uh, but uh, physically, if the Lord delays. Uh, but with that, when that day comes, you know, when that day is, we have the authority to choose that day. Uh, that's, again, another whole discussion there. So, so uh, uh, he needed to, to operate the plan of redemption according to his schedule, not according to the schedule of the devil. Amen. And if he was a victim... Uh, by the devil's schedule, then, then he couldn't pick and choose when he was going to die. But he, pick, he picked the day that he was going to die, the hour that he was going to die, exactly how he was going to die. And, of course, the devil just kind of uh, went along with it, not knowing how foolish he was to do all of that. Uh, but Jesus was not subject to death. He didn't have the sin nature in him. So sin and death go together. There was no sin in his life. Uh, and so he was able then to, to set the plan of salvation according to his schedule. Amen. Uh, and so let's turn over to uh, to First uh, Corinthians chapter 15. So uh, the, the second reason why Jesus needed to be uh, born of a virgin uh, it, and it uses uh, these terms here in First um, uh, Corinthians chapter 15 so that it could be the, the, the last Adam or the second man. Uh, and so let's read here in uh, verse 45. It says, and so. Uh, and all of us before that, in fact, and let's read it in verse, uh, um, verse 44. It says, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So the Bible calls Jesus the last Adam, right? That's important, right? Because uh, when Jesus came to the earth, he was essentially in the, in the same uh, situation physically as Adam was when he was first created. He, uh, Adam was created with no sin nature. Jesus came into the earth with so no sin nature. So Jesus uh, was the last Adam. He was made to operate uh, like Adam was before Adam fell. Uh, and so, uh, and, and uh, the, the reason for that, my, my opinion for that, the reason why that was important, there, no doubt there's a lot of other reasons for it, but uh, there, there is a general thought in the church sometimes that, well, you know, Adam was doomed to fail, fail. You know, nobody could could go through those temptations and survive. And so the Lord, you know, the Lord knew all that. He planned all that, that Adam was going to fail. And and um, uh, and so, you know, there's just there's just no it was going to happen. 
Uh, and so people say, well, if Adam couldn't make it, then we can't make it. Uh, so part of the reason why Jesus had to come as a, as a last Adam was to debunk that theory that, that Adam was doomed to fail. Uh, so uh, when Jesus came into the earth, was he tempted at all? Did he go through any temptations? Uh, in fact, the Bible says he was tempted in all points like a demand, right? Uh, and so did, uh, did Jesus fall? No, Jesus didn't, didn't fall. So Jesus didn't have any special ability uh, more than Adam had when he was on the earth. Because remember, the Bible said that Jesus left everything aside. He put, laid all of it aside, right? Came and was, was born of a woman, right? Uh, born under the, under the law. So Jesus was the last Adam. He was essentially uh, exactly in the same position that Adam was when he was on the earth. That Adam, you know, remember what he said? He said it many times, but in John chapter 5, he says a couple different times, he said, I can of my own self do nothing. And he meant that. He wasn't just saying that. He really, when he said that, I can of my own self do nothing, he said, that's what he meant. Uh, you know, when Jesus says something, that's usually what he means to say, right? A lot of times people, Jesus will say something, they go, well, he didn't really mean that. Right. Well, of course he meant that. He said that because he meant that, right? right. Uh, you know, someone said, when, when Jesus was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, right? We'll hold it off until Easter, all, the, all of it, right? But, but uh, well, he didn't really mean that. What do you mean he didn't mean that? If he said it, did he mean it? Because if you say something you don't really mean, that's, that's generally called lying, isn't it, right? Uh, did Jesus ever lie? Well, no, he never lied. So if Jesus said uh, that I can't of my own self do nothing, then what does he mean by that? That means that in and of himself, he has no ability to do anything. Amen. That he gets his power from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that came upon him in the River Jordan, right? And so, so Jesus had to prove that, look, a man empowered by the Holy Ghost can live a life without sin. Uh, because people say, well, Adam was doomed to sin. No, he wasn't. He made a choice to sin. Uh, and so Jesus was exactly the same boat Adam was, tempted in all points like in a man, just like Adam was, except he succeeded. Amen. Without any special deal, no special, no special powers, no special uh, uh, plan other than uh, he was a man uh, uh, in the earth empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so he... So he couldn't just, uh, so he, he needed to dispel that, that lie that a Adam was doomed. And to do that, he said, well, let's just reset the whole thing. We'll, we'll come down just like Adam, show you that a man empowered by the, by the power of God can still resist sin and not have to yield to it uh, just to get rid of that lie. And yet it still propagates through the church today, right? People are always making excuses. Well, if Adam can't make it, nobody can, nobody can make it, right? Uh, and so, uh, but that's not true, right? Amen. So, um, uh, so that, uh, and that, I think that's kind of a big deal, right? Um, and, um, uh, and then the last one, so that was, uh, so we're, we're moving right along, right? So, but the third one's kind of busy, so uh, we'll, we'll get to the last one. So the, the last reason why Jesus had to be born of a virgin uh, was that he could be qualified to be the kinsman redeemer, right? And we know the story of the kinsman redeemer. Uh, we know the story of Ruth, right? The story of Ruth is the story of the kinsman redeemer, but I wanted to give you the, the foundation for that, uh, the story there from the, from the law. So go back to Leviticus chapter 25. So Leviticus 25, and, and you know, the thing, the thing uh, about the Old Testament, you know, if you'll read the Old Testament, the Lord was really smart, right? I mean, he, he put all of this really busy stuff, right? The first five books of the law, right? The first five books of the, of the Bible. Uh, a, a lot of stuff that 
people didn't really, you know, they're just like, blah, 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 blah. I mean, there's so much stuff, right? Especially you get to the book of Numbers, you know, all the begats. I'm sure there's value in it somehow. Uh, you know, someday the Lord will give me revelation for that. Uh, but right now, you know, uh, the jury's still out. But, uh, but there's a lot of things in, in the law that were written not so much for the nation of Israel, but really for the future, right? That the Lord Jesus could take advantage of these things uh, and for himself and for all of mankind, right? And we've talked about, in fact, I think last week in healing school, we were talking about the law that a stranger can come into the nation of Israel and uh, uh, if they choose to accept Jehovah God, then they get the same benefits of the law as everybody else. Uh, and that's how the Syrophoenician woman and the, and the centurion, uh, the centurion and his servant uh, got healing uh, because they took advantage of that law, that they were a stranger outside the nation of Israel. Uh, but because they chose to accept Jesus as the Lord, they got all the benefits of the nation of Israel. In fact, uh, benefits that most of the other nation, most of the other members of the nation of Israel never took advantage of, right? There was no, no lepers were cleansed in the nation of Israel until Jesus showed up, right? Even though the law was always there. Uh, nobody took advantage of, of I am the Lord that healeth thee for, for thousands of years, uh, except very rarely uh, until Jesus showed up, right? So again, that's, uh, uh, you can go back to listen to last week's uh, healing school about that if you want to get more details on that. And so here uh, in Exodus or Leviticus chapter 25, now, this is the, uh, we, we won't go through all of us here, uh, but um, this is the story of, of the uh, redemption, right? The, the law of redemption. Uh, and so uh, let's start in verse 23. It says, the land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, uh, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the land of your possession, you shall grant a redemption for the land. If thy brother be waxen poor and hath sold away some of his possession, and if any of his kin come to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which his brother sold. So there's a general principle in the law of the Old Testament that said uh, that, look, uh, when, when Joshua came into the promised land, he divided the promised land up into the 12 tribes, and that was theirs forever, right? It wasn't just theirs for the time being. It was there forever. So, but, you know, life happens and you get behind in your bills and say, hey, I've got this plot of land, you know, I'll, I'll sell it to you, uh, you know, for X amount of money. And the guy, okay, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that land. But the deal was, even if I sold it to you, I've got to write in whenever I want to, to come back and redeem that land. Hey, here's the money back. I want that land back. And that was fine. But, you know, the reason why you sold it is you didn't have any money. So if you happen to have a nice rich uncle and the rich uncle came along and said, hey, I'll redeem that for you. I'll, I'll go buy that land for you, right? I'll go buy that land back for you. And so if you had a, if you had a kinsman, right, or, or a near relative who was willing to do it, uh, and, uh, then, then he could do it, right? And so there was three requirements for the kinsman redeemer. One is they need to be a, a relative of yours, right? Because that's, that's what it says right there in verse uh, 25. Uh, it says, um, if any of his kin come to redeem it right so we in, in tennessee know how to translate kin right because we call it i always thought kin was like a slang for something right because hey it's my kin right uh, kinfolk right i always thought it was slang for something it's not slang for anything it's just kin right and and so it's bible word uh and so uh that's my kin right of course in tennessee you add an extra syllable or two on it right that's my kin right yeah. uh, and then it turns into k-e-n right that's my kin right and and uh, I mean, uh, you know, I can, if any of you from the north need translation, I can translate for you. I've been around here long enough, right? Uh, and so, uh, so if you had a relative 
who was willing to do it. So they had to be a relative. They had to be willing to do it and they had to be able to do it. Right. So, hey, you know, uncle, can you buy me? Can you redeem this land for me? Yeah, but I, I ain't got a dime. Right. Well, well, that's great. You're not any help at all. Right. Uh, and so you want the rich uncle. If you find the rich uncle, then you're good. Right. Uh, you don't want the uncle who sold all of his stuff. That's not going to help you any. So the, the law of the Redeemer was if you had somebody who was willing to do it and able to do it uh, and was uh, qualified to do it by being a, a relative, then they could redeem. Right? And, you know, then that's the deal. Right. So so that was the whole uh, the whole setup. Right. So this was set up for the Lord Jesus. This wasn't set up just for their land. This was set up for the Lord Jesus to come into the earth. So uh, so. Uh, so that was the three things, right? They had to be related, had to be willing, and had to be able. So let's talk about the first one, about being related. So this is the key about being born of a virgin. So if you go throughout the, the Gospels and look at how Jesus addressed himself, you'll find that, that the vast majority of times, there's like 80 different times he addresses himself as the Son of Man. You ever heard him call himself the Son of Man? He never called himself the Son of Mary, right? I, I know, didn't we sing a song about the Son of Mary, right? I mean... Mary, did you know, right? Uh, and so, but he never addressed himself as the son of Mary, right? He sure didn't address himself as the son of Joseph. Other people did, wasn't he, you know, Joseph's son, right? Uh, but he always called himself the son of man. On a, you know, three or four times, maybe he called himself the son of God. But the vast majority, I mean, you know, 20 times more, he called himself the son of man. Uh, well, why did he call himself the son of man? Well, uh, that goes back to being born of a virgin. His father is the father God, Right. So who created all of mankind? God the Father did, right? So if you happen to be, uh, if, if God is your father, then that means you're related to who? Everybody, Everybody right? So, so that, and that's why he called himself the son of man. He was the son of mankind, right? All of every human being, because he's from the same father, right? Because the book of Hebrews says that God is the father of spirits. So, so Jesus, by having God the Father as his father, then was then related to Everybody in the earth. And that gave him uh, the ability to meet the first qualification of being a kinsman redeemer, which means he had to be related to everybody. Well, how do you get to be related to everybody? You know, I mean, in Dayton, you can be related to everybody. But, you know, uh, that's only in Dayton, right? There's only a small people, right? But uh, but Vegeta needs to be related to like everybody in the earth. Well, he's got a plan. His plan was, I'll be born of a virgin. I'll be born of the father, right? I mean, he, he, he didn't have... He wasn't just born only of a woman. He was born of two people just like everybody else is, except his father was a father in heaven, right? So that made him uh, the, the redeemer, that made him the kinsman of all of the earth, right? That, that allowed him then to be um, qualified to, to be a kinsman redeemer, at least the first qualification, right? So turn over to the book of Ruth. And we're going to kind of parallel this uh, with Ruth and show you how uh, Ruth is, is really just a, an example of this same story here. So in Ruth, and now Ruth, if you remember, uh, Naomi was the mother, right? Uh, and uh, she had, uh, she was, uh, Naomi was, a, was a, a Jew, and she had uh, uh, some boys, right, some sons, and, uh, uh, and they couldn't find apparently any women in, in Israel to marry, so they went out and married women from, from Moab, right, Moabites. Uh, and uh, one of the, the women that they married was Ruth. So Ruth was not a Jew. She was a Moabite, right, outside the nation of Israel. Uh, and so, uh, and then um, let's turn to Romans, uh, Ruth chapter 2. It says in verse 1, uh, it says, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, 
a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. So uh, Boaz was a kinsman of Naomi, right? Uh, and so apparently, they don't, they, later on they go tell you about it, but uh, apparently Naomi, being a Jew, uh, her and her husband owned some land, and they sold it, right? But prior to all of this happening, right, they left Israel and went, went to uh, Moab. So they sold their land, and now they're back in Israel, right? Uh, so now Naomi, being a Jew, and her husband being a Jew, had the land, they sold it, and so, uh, uh, so they're kind of setting everything up, right? Setting the stage for this. So uh, Boaz, Boaz was, a, um, uh, was a relative. So Boaz met the first qualification of being a redeemer, right? Uh, he could redeem the land, of, of the family of the land there. So down in verse 20, it says, And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, Thy man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. So that's talking about Boaz there, right? So uh, now the tradition was, uh, there, there wasn't necessarily covered in the law, but the tradition was if someone was going to redeem the property, then whoever was the closest kinsman got to redeem it first, right? And so if you had, you know, an, an uncle and a you know, second cousin twice removed, then the uncle's closer, so they get the first dibs on to redeem the land, but if they don't want to, then the second cousin twice removed can do that, right? Uh, and so, I don't know what a second cousin twice removed is, but it's somewhere in the family tree, right? Uh, and so, uh, in chapter 3, then, we find out a little bit more details about that. It says in verse 12, now it is true, this is Boaz talking here, it says, now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Now, we don't ever find out what his name is. I don't believe that we do. Uh, so, so Boaz was a kin of Naomi's family, but there was somebody closer that could have stepped in between him and redeemed the land there, right? Uh, and so, so that gets to, to the second qualification of the kinsman redeemer, uh, which was, uh, the first one was, you got to be a kin, right? Second one was, you have to be willing. Uh, and of course, if you go then now to the ministry of Jesus, you remember what he said in the book of Hebrews. He said, I came to do thy will, O God, right? Uh, that's in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 7 and 9. Both of them say, I came to do thy will, O God. Uh, and that's kind of a big deal. That's, that's the only reason why Jesus came to the earth. He didn't come to go to the cross or shed blood to die. To, and he, he came to do the will of the Father, which was all of those things. But to him, it was a blank check. Father, whatever you want me to do, that's what, uh, that's what I'll be willing to do. You know, a lot of times in our lives, we'll be like, Lord, I'll do anything you want to as long as it's on this list of things that I want to do. This right here is fine, right? This right here is fine, but not, not this over here, right? But, but not Jesus. He's like, whatever you want me to do, Lord, that's what I came to do. And you remember when he got to, gar to the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, he said, Lord, if there be any other way, uh, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, what? Not my will, but thy will be done, Right? So he had to be um, willing to do it, right? That's the second qualification to, to be a, an actual kinsman redeemer was you had to be willing to do it. So, of course, we know uh, back, to, uh, uh, back to Ruth here um, that, uh, um, let's see. Um, yeah, so uh, we read verse 12 there in, in Ruth chapter 3. Let's read... Um, Verse 13, uh, so Boaz is talking to, uh, to uh, Ruth here. 
He says, tarry this night and it shall be in the morning that, that if he, the nearer kinsman, right? Because we just read in verse 12 that there was a kinsman nearer to Boaz who would have first dibs to redeem Ruth and the property. Uh, and so he said, uh, uh, it shall be in the morning that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, then well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then I will do the part of a kinsman to thee as the Lord liveth. Uh, uh, it's a lie down unto the morning. So, so he was second in line, right? So, so he had to go find out, was this guy willing to be the redeemer, right? He met the first, the other guy met the qualification of being redeemer because he was a near kinsman. And so he's trying to find out, uh, is he going to be um, willing to do the second part? Uh, and so uh, let's uh, go to the next chapter there, chapter four then. Uh, and so he comes to, the, comes to the guy in town uh, and so now Boza, Boaz starts talking to him in verse 3. And it says unto the kinsman, Naomi that is come again in, of the, out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. Uh, and I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of the people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it besides thee. For I am after thee. And he said... I will redeem it. So now, uh, earlier when we, we read that Boaz was a mighty man of wealth, right? And so he was also smart, right? He was so, so he's setting the guy up, right? So, um, so he just starts out, hey, we've got this piece of land in the family. It, needs, it, it can be redeemed. You know, do you want to redeem it? And the guy's like, oh, it looks like a nice piece of land. It's downtown right there, right? Got, it's got city water, right? Yeah, okay, I'll take it. You know, it's got city water. I'll take it, you know? So, so Boaz is setting him up, right? So, so, he, uh, so he asked the guy, you, what do you want to do? The guy said, I'll redeem it. And Boaz said, no problem, no problem. He goes, oh, yeah, by the way, right? So here, here's, the, here's the tricky part, right? By the way part. And then in verse 5, then said Boaz, uh, what day thou buyest the field of the land of Naomi, thou must buy it also uh, of Ruth the uh, Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead until his inheritance. And so Boaz like, well, there's this little, there's other little, besides the land, you also got to get the girl, right? Because, you know, uh, she's here and the law was that you got to raise up, you know, of children to, to your brother, right? And so uh, to your brother's wife, if, if the brother dies and the wife is still around, then, then you know, you got to take her for, take her wife and, and, and uh, raise up children from her, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, he didn't start with that, right? So he started kind of, he's just, he's leading them along here, right? And so... It says in verse 6, And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Uh, and so whoever he was going to leave his, his stuff to, right, his kids, apparently, uh, he's going to mess it up, right? Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. So, you know, uh, it would be tough, you know, come home from work and, you know, hey, you know, how's it going, wife? You know, well, it's going good. You know, do you, anything exciting happen at work today? Well, yeah, I bought some land and... And I, and I got a wife, too, another wife. You, know, you want to meet her, right? I got a, you know, I, I was supposed to pick up bread, but I picked up bread and a wife. You know, is that, is that okay? Probably not okay. Apparently, it wasn't okay with this one because he's like, I can't do that, you know. And so, and so Boaz, being smart, right, he, he set it all up, right? So uh, because the second rule of the kinsman, redeemer had to be that you're willing to do it, right? So now we know Jesus was willing to do whatever it took. So Boaz, although he was not the primary redeemer, he was the first willing one to do it, right? And so that's kind of a kind of a big deal. Right. Uh, and so he, he said, I cannot redeem it. 
So uh, they had, uh, it says in verse 7, Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. You know, they must not have had any uh, uh, sweaty teenage boys playing soccer. I mean, can you imagine you know, taking off your shoe if you're a sweaty teenage boy playing soccer and, hey, here, have my shoe? I mean, that, that would not be a bonus, right? Uh, in fact, I'm, there were more than once we were coming home from soccer games. You know, they'd pull up their shoes in the car. like, no, you put those shoes right back on. You know, there's no way we're going to drive home with that the rest of the way, right? Uh, and so I'm glad that this is not uh, a thing today. Right now, we just sign a contract. You know, back then, though, instead of signing a contract, here, have my shoe. But I like my shoe. I mean, you know, and then what are you going to do with one shoe? You know, now you only got one shoe, right? It's like you didn't get both. So what are you going to do with one shoe anyway, right? I don't know, but that was the deal. It wasn't part of the law. There was just their, their custom uh, at the time, right? Uh, and so, uh, verse 8, Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe, right? Uh, and so, uh, so that, uh, that met the second qualification of being the Redeemer, right? So the first was they had to be related. The second one, they had to be willing, right? We know Jesus was willing uh, and um, and the first kinsman with Ruth was not willing, so he failed in the qualification. So Boaz stepped up, and Boaz became willing to do that, right? Uh, and so, and then, then the last uh, qualification was uh, you had to be able to purchase it, right? We talked about that earlier, that, uh, you know, if your uncle wanted, wanted to do it, they were related, uh, they were willing to do it, but they didn't have the funds to do it. Doesn't matter if they're willing or not, Right? You go, hey, you know, I'll, I'll, buy that, I'll buy that land from you. Okay, well, it's $10,000. Okay, great. Uh, well, uh, when do you want to drop me off? I don't have any money. Well, then how are you going to buy it? I, I want to buy it. Well, you got any money? No. Well, you, you going to go to the bank? No. Is anybody going to give you the money? No. Well, you can't buy it. Well, I, but I want to buy it. It doesn't matter if you want to buy it. If you can't buy it, you know, they're not going to sell it to you, right? Uh, and so I've been, these, been to auctions. You know, you ever go to auctions. You know, they go to auctions. You buy stuff and uh, and then... Uh, someone says, well, do you have to have the money to buy it? Well, yeah, you have to have the money, you know, because uh, somebody's got to have the money right then, right? Well, can I bring it in 30 days? No, you got to have it right then. That's the deal, right? And so uh, what if I want to buy it? doesn't matter. You know, if you don't have the money, you can't buy it, right? Uh, and so, so, so uh, of course, we know with the redeeming the land there in the book of Ruth that that was just a financial transaction, right? But to redeem mankind... It was a different kind of transaction, right? Because the word redeem means to purchase, right? It means to purchase out of the marketplace. And so uh, when Jesus uh, redeemed mankind, he purchased us, right? Uh, he bought us with a price. And the price was the infinite value. Uh, and and the, the medium of exchange wasn't money like it was with Boaz. The medium of exchange was the blood of Jesus. And, you know, here's the part that we have to uh, be thankful for that when, when the Lord had to figure out, well, what's the value to pay for all the sins of the world, right? Because we know the Old Testament, they shed blood for sins, right? And, but they'd have to come back and do it every year. So the, the atoning sacrifice would last a year. Uh, and that was just for the nation of Israel. Uh, but then other times they could do burnt offerings, you know, throughout the year also uh, at different times and different feasts and things. Uh, and so, well, what's the value of all the sins of the world, right? Who's got a calculator like that? Uh, I mean, if you had to figure out, okay, you know, all the sins that you're not going to point to anybody, you know, all the sins you've done, here's a list. And that one right here is going to cost this much, and that one right here is going to cost that much. I mean, how do you figure that out, right? How do you calculate that? 
and, and basically, the answer was, after you add it all up, the answer was, well, it's infinity, right? The, the cost to purchase all the sins from mankind is an infinite cost. So who's qualified to pay for that? You've got to check with, with no limit to the number of zeros. I mean, after you get about four or five zeros, people go, that's a lot of zeros, right? You know, um, uh, and, and can we can we quit adding more zeros, right? Uh, but the Lord, you know, the God in heaven, he started figuring out, well, it's going to cost another zero there for that, another zero for that. And it was just uh, it was just an infinite number of zeros. And so so where are we going to get that? What, what's going to be what's going to be valuable enough to pay the cost, right? To, to be so you're going to be. Uh, related, you got to be willing, but you got to be able to do it, right? You got to have the goods. So nobody was qualified to die before Jesus came around to die for the sins of the world. Nobody, they, they, even if they met the first two, which they couldn't, but even if they met the first, they couldn't do the the third one, which is the most important one. Are you able to do it? Boaz had the money to do it, willing to do it, and related to do it. Uh, but uh, but Jesus had to had to have something that was valuable enough. To, to meet the qualification to pay for the sins, could to buy mankind away from the devil. Because Paul said, I was sold into sin. So if you're sold into sin, that, that's a Leviticus 25 transaction, right? You're sold, you can be redeemed. And that's why, that's why the law was written, not because the Jews wanted to have a bunch of laws and rules and regulations, so that Jesus had a way to, to he had a legal right. Well, look, the, the, the word of God, the contract with humanity, with, with my nation Israel, says that anybody who wants to redeem something can. That's the rule. That they, they signed the contract. They, they were covenant members uh, of God with God and when they wrote this contract. And so this is a contract, right, between God and humanity, specifically the nation of Israel. And so Jesus took advantage of that. Well, I've got a contract right here. I can redeem whatever I want to. Anything that's been sold, I can redeem it. Well, what about everybody? They've all been sold into sin. I can redeem them all because I meet the qualifications of Leviticus 25, right? Uh, and so, so, it was the, so that's a big reason why Jesus had to be born of a virgin because if his blood was tainted by the sin nature, see, that it should not be valuable, but not enough, right? It may not be able to purchase everybody. You know, there might have only been like 12 people purchased or 1,200 people purchased or, or 12 million people purchased, but it wouldn't have been everybody. So he had to be born of a virgin so that he was, he was not tainted by the sin nature so that he could finally meet the, the, the last qualification of this kinsman redeemer to purchase every single person in the earth. And so, and so the way he did it, which was brilliant, is he went ahead and wrote the check. He said, I'll just, well, uh, what if they're not willing to be redeemed right now? That's ah, okay, I'll go ahead and cover it. You know, we'll be, be a, a future use, right? Go ahead and we'll just tell me what the whole package is right now. I'll pay for the whole thing right now. And then when they're born a thousand years from now, they're already covered. That was the deal, right? That's, that's what Jesus planned out when he, when he was figuring out what the cost was to redeem everybody. Well, let's just cover everything. What, what if they're dead? We'll cover that. What if they're alive right now? We'll cover that. What if they're not going to be alive for 2,000 years? We'll cover. We'll cover it all right now. Just one check. We'll just write the whole thing. What's a check? It's your blood. And Jesus is like, okay, where do I sign? You've got to sign on the cross right over there. Jesus, okay, I'll go. Uh, 12 o'clock, yep, I'll meet you at 12 o'clock, boys. I'll go to the cross. And of course, they all ran away, right? They didn't know what was going on. Uh, and so, so, so the last part of are you able to meet the qualifications? Are you able to fund what's necessary to pay for the redemption? Jesus met that cost, right? And the way he did it was being born of a virgin. 
uh, and he was able to then uh, allow his blood to be shed to be the cost and the price for your sins to purchase you out of that. So that means every single human being on the earth right now, they've been redeemed, right? They've been purchased. In fact, the Bible says that, that we have already been reconciled, right? In other words, you go back over to Romans chapter 5, it says that the whole world right now is reconciled or re- restored to favor with God. Everyone. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to heaven, right? Because they have to receive that, right? They have to receive that work that the Lord Jesus did for them. Uh, if they don't receive it, then they reject that deal. And it says, well, you know, I don't want part of that deal, right? Uh, you get these class action lawsuits, right? Well, you got to sign up to be part of the class. You know, I mean, if you, if you bought a, a widget, you know, uh, 10 years ago, and you got a, they have a class action lawsuit, they'll go find out who bought that thing and say, well, all of you can be members of the class. And if you're members of this class lawsuit, then when we win, you get 39 cents and the, the, the lawyers get a billion dollars, right? And that's the way it works, right? <laughs> lawyers get all the money and then you get like a coupon, right? You might get, you know, uh, you know, maybe half a coupon. You got to split with your neighbor, but, uh, but the lawyers get all the money, right? So, but the class wins. And so, but you can say, I don't want to be part of the class. I can choose not to be part of it. So I don't get the benefits, the 39 cent plus coupon from the, the class action lawsuit. Uh, and, and which is kind of dumb. I mean, you know, cause you can do nothing. Uh, you get out of the class and get nothing, or you can join the class and get an amazing return, right? All the, all that money, right? Of 39, maybe 40 cents, right? Uh, so people do that same thing today. They're all members of the same class action lawsuit. The whole world is a member of the class, but they can choose not to be part of the class. Well, I don't want to receive Jesus. Yeah, but you get, you get all this stuff, right? I mean, you class action, you get nothing, right? You get, I mean, a couple pennies, but with the class action of Jesus, you get everything. Eternal life, salvation, redemption, healing, prosperity, everything, right? Well, I don't want to be a member of that class. Well, that's really dumb. Well, I know. I mean, it's the dumbest thing in the world not to be saved. Uh, but people are, you know, they're dumb people every day, right? Uh, and so, because right now, see, the kinsman redeemer, he was the kinsman to all of mankind. And uh, he was willing to do it. And his blood was sufficient to pay for everything, right? That's a pretty good deal, right? So, uh, uh, so that, that's, the, that's finished up the, the final qualifications for being the kinsman redeemer. But then they completed the transaction, Right? Now, with, with, with Boaz, the, they swapped shoes, right? Here's my shoe, right? With Jesus, he went to the cross. That, that was his signature to, to sign on the dotted line to finish up the full redemption, right? So now, everybody on earth has been redeemed, right? Everybody has had their sins paid for, right? There's no sins. Any sins that have not been paid for? What about tomorrow? Already been paid for. What about five years from now? Already paid for, Right? So, so nobody's going to die for the sins they commit. They're going to die because they didn't accept the Lord Jesus, Amen. right? Uh, and, and because not accepting the Lord Jesus, then they're responsible for their own sins. Of course, we know that that's kind of follows through from that. So, so that's and so that's the three reasons why Jesus was born of a virgin, right? So, uh, I don't know if you if you want to go back and just uh, we can reiterate those uh, three again there. So, uh, the, the first one was uh, so that he could have a body that was separate from the sin nature. Uh, the second one was that he could be the last Adam or the second man. And the third one was so that he could be uh, the kinsman redeemer. Uh, and, uh, uh, and I think all of those things, you think about how, how long it took the Lord to plan all that out. Uh, and that's just a small portion of all the stuff that went on in redemption, right? We studied the plan of redemption for, I don't know, nearly a year on Wednesday nights here, uh, going through all of these things and going through all the things that Jesus did as far as the plan of redemption. So... Uh, uh, I think uh, we did pretty good to get all through that in one. I mean, that's seven pages of notes. You know, we didn't go through every single thing there, right? 
the two was to be the last Adam. Right? Uh, and so, um, so all of that started from a child born in, in the backwaters of Israel, right? Uh, uh, and he, but he had a plan. And the, the thing I love about the Lord Jesus is how much work he put in that plan. I mean, he planned this and it had to make sure that Moses wrote down Leviticus 25, 25, right? He had to make sure that, that Naomi came back uh, to Israel with Ruth and that Boaz was around, that Boaz would be, would be willing, right? And of course, we know Boaz was, was David's great-grandfather and, uh, and all of those things had to come together, right? All of it had to work together for the plan for Jesus to show up here finally the Bible says, in the fullness of time. Well, it was a fullness of time because it took all that time to get all that stuff organized. Because if Jesus didn't have a loophole there in Leviticus 25, then he, didn't, he wouldn't have had a legal right to redeem all of mankind. So he, he, he had to get all that stuff laid the groundwork to, to get, you know, in, in law, they have legal precedents, right? Well, no, we, we've never had that case before. So let's go figure out from, from some lawsuits or some judgments, what should you do? Well, that's why Jesus had to lay all the groundwork from all those things in the book of the laws there, the, the first five books there, to cover that so that he could then fulfill in the fullness of time, then he could do exactly what he came to do. Amen? Uh, and so I just want to encourage you all on that. Every time I study these things, to me, it just encourages my faith about, about how valuable our salvation is, right? How strong our salvation is and how much work the Lord put in uh, the, the value, the worth of your soul was worth it for the Lord Jesus to do everything that he's done. Amen. Uh, and so the, and, and, and all of these things uh, work together. So um, I, I enjoy studying these things. I think they're valuable to us. I think they're helpful to us to know these things. Um, uh, because to me, it encourages my faith. Amen. This is not just something uh, the Lord just decided to do on a whim. Uh, well, I'll just go down and just take care of it, you know. Now, he planned this, strategized it for thousands of years. Amen. It took tens of thousands of people to come together and be all in the right place at the right time over all of those centuries for all of this stuff to work together. Amen. And he, and he did that just for you. Uh, he, that, that was the whole reason for doing it is just for you. Amen. Uh, and, and that should help us encourage us. Amen. Uh, and so let, let's pray and thank the Lord for, for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, we do thank you that you have uh, chosen to be born of a virgin to complete all, all of these tasks, Father, for our benefit. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And because of that work, Father, we, we have the right and the privilege to be redeemed from all of our sins, to be purchased out of the marketplace of the world and be brought into the kingdom of your dear son. So, Father, we thank you for that. We don't take it lightly, Father. This was such a great moment of all of existence, Father, that you would come to the earth born of a virgin, Father, to, to meet all of these goals, Father, to allow uh, limited human beings, people that otherwise were complete and total failures in the earth, to become great sons and, and daughters of, of you, Father, be children of the Most High God. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And because of that, Father, we have the right to be born again and to receive your spirit in us and to walk all the days just as you walked in the earth, uh, Lord Jesus, with the, uh, the spirit of God living on the inside of you and empowering you and everything you did. We can live all of our lives on this earth filled with the same spirit, empowering our lives in all that we do. 
And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And, and so I just sensed earlier today that uh, we just need to, to uh, I'd like to lay hands on anybody who's, who would like to have the hands laid on them. I just sense that uh, we need to go uh, from today just, just in the power of the Lord uh, and uh, pray for, for those here in our church that are not doing well. And if you have the opportunity to, to lay hands on them, pray for them. But I just sense that I need to lay hands on anybody who wants to have hands laid on them. Just uh, Paul said, I long to see that I might impart unto you some spiritual gift. Uh, and so, you know, Brother Hagen always called it the law of, of contact and transmission. You know, with the Spirit of God in me uh, can be transferred into your lives, you know, so that you can be carriers of that same power. Amen. Doesn't mean you don't have the Spirit of God in you already. Uh, but sometimes the Lord will do that. Amen. He'll transfer the power of God from one person to another person to affect uh uh, the lives of people that they will then meet after that. Amen. Uh, and so that's just what I sense in, in, in my heart that we need to do. So if you'd like hand, hands laid upon you this morning, just to go forth in the power of the Lord uh, and to uh, continue to pray for, for uh, other members of the church and really any members of your family, then if you'll come ahead, we'll, we'll lay hands on you. Amen. And pray for you. And, and Chris, if you wouldn't mind helping me. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you that you live big on the inside of us. And Father, we thank you that we are carriers of your spirit. And Father, enough is enough. And so, Father, we go in the power of your spirit, empowered by your spirit. The same, you said, Father, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. The same spirit that Jesus walked in on the earth, Father, dwells in us same spirit that raised Lazarus from the dead dwells in us, Father. And so, Father, we go forth today. We pray for our other church members that are not doing well physically. Father, we thank you for complete and total recovery in their lives, Father. And our family members and our acquaintances that we know that are not doing well, we will be carriers of your power and your spirit, Father, to go into their lives and through the same law of contact and transmission Father, we will lay hands on them and your spirit, Father, will go into their physical bodies and effect a healing and a cure. So, Father, we thank you for that. And so, Father, by the direction of the Holy Spirit, uh, we lay hands, Father, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you. The same spirit, Father, that dwells in us, Father, is transferred, Father, by the contact in the name of Jesus. Carriers of the Spirit. Carriers of the power of God and the authority of heaven. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. A container, a carrier of your Spirit, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Father. A carrier, Father. Father, not just a container, Father, but a carrier to deliver. 
power, Father, and your spirit in the lives of those around her, Father. In the name of Jesus. Filled, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. A container and carrier of the power of the Most High God. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. Thank you, Father. This vessel is filled with your spirit, Father. Life-altering, changing power of your spirit, Father. And Father, I thank you that everywhere that she goes, the greatest power in all the universe lives on the inside of her, Father, to affect a change in those around her. Everyone she lays hands on, Father, will be transferred the same spirit that rose you from the dead, will be transferred into their lives, Father, to affect a change and a healing, Father, and a cure, Father, and yes, Father, deliverance too, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name, Father. And Father, I thank you for this vessel. Father, stronger every day. Father, our temples have to be strong to carry such strong power, Father. So, Father, I thank you that this vessel and her body, Father, are strong to carry your power, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And, Father, we thank you for your vessel. In the name of Jesus, carrying your power, Father, to those in her life, distributing your power, Father, to those around her. And Father, you said in your word that out of her belly shall flow rivers of living water, Father. Not a stream, not a single river, Father, but rivers to meet all the needs of those around her, Father, by your spirit and your power. Father, we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you. Father, there are places that only this child can go, Father. Lord, you designed it from before the foundation of the world that they would be the very person that someone needs in their life. So, Father, when she's there in that moment, I thank you that you'll show her that for this very reason has she been sent into the earth to be a blessing to those around her. So, Father, I thank you that she'll go forth in your power and in your wisdom, Father, 
carry life-altering, life-changing, life-improving power with the Spirit of God. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for the very people that you've sent her to, that you'll show her and reveal, Father, to her that the reason why she's on this earth is just for that very person right there. And Father, there may be hundreds of them, and there may be thousands of them, Father. But you've got, you know every single one of them, Father. That's so why I thank you that you'll carry forth your power into their lives to improve their lots in this earth, Father. Show them the path of heaven and the way to all the blessings of heaven. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you. Father, for a vessel full of your spirit, Father. Full of the power of God. And Father, so many times you said that you were moved with compassion, Father. Father, I thank you that your compassion resides upon this life. It empowers, Father, your spirit to move on behalf of others. So, Father, I thank you that she's full of your spirit, full of your power, Father, full of your ability. Father, she is not a nobody. She is a child of the Most High God. And, Father, she's not an empty vessel. She's a vessel full of of the same glory that raised Jesus from the dead. Father, her soul is valuable to you. So, Father, I thank you that she'll impart, impart that same knowledge of your love and for those around her, Father. And, Father, you'll do that by allowing her to be a great vessel of the power of God. And as she lays hands on those around her, Father, I thank you that your power will, will course through her and affect a healing and a cure in those around her, Father. And we thank you for that, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you for this vessel, Father, Yes, Father. Buckets and buckets full of your power and your spirit, Father. Father, to carry it and deliver it, Father, and disperse it among those in her life, Father. To be a vessel that brings power and change and healing to those around her, Father. We thank you, Father, that just like you, you are willing, Father. We thank you that, that uh, Miss Debbie is willing, Father, to be a carrier of your power. Father, it doesn't matter how much power is available if there's no one willing, Father. But, Father, you see her heart, and you see her desire to be a willing vessel, to be used of you, Father. And so, Father, you always empower willing vessels to be carriers of your power and deliver supernatural, miracle-working results in people's lives. So, Father, we thank you that she's filled with the same glory that raised Jesus from the dead. And so, Father, we thank you. 
Lord, we thank you that people will be drawn to her. And they think, you know, who has the power? Who has the ability to help me? Who can cause me to get out of this situation? They'll think of the vessel who carries, carries your power, Father. So, Father, we thank you for great testimonies in, in her life, Father. Testifying of the goodness of God. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you. You said in your word, Father, that we can be vessels of honor. Father, vessels are designed to carry. So, Father, I thank you that this life carries your power with honor, Father, all the days of her life, Father. And all that she does and all that she lays her hands to, Father, will prosper. Father, and it will accomplish that which you've sent your power to do. So, Father, we thank you. Filled with your power, filled with your might, filled with your glory, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you for this life, Father. Father, you said in your word that our bodies are your temple, Father, to be filled with your spirit. So, Father, I thank you that this temple is filled with your spirit to go, Father, in all the steps and paths of his life, Father. To not just carry the knowledge of you, Father, but to carry your glory with him, Father, to carry your spirit with him, Father. Father, just as you were unable to do anything in and of yourself while you, while you were on this earth, Father, I thank you that Jared will know that in and of himself, he's of no value to those around him. But empowered by your spirit, Father, he can raise the dead, cleanse the leper, heal the sick, open the blind eyes, the deaf ears of those around him. Father, I thank you for that. And by the law of contact and transmission, Father, I thank you that your spirit fills his life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We thank you for that, Father. In the name of Jesus. Father, we just thank you for all the wonderful things you've done for us. And Lord, we know that there's no time and distance in your spirit, but we still look forward to the beginning of a new year, Father, new opportunities to preach your word, Father, to show your goodness to those around us, to tell people how wonderful you are, how big you are, how good you are. And so, Father, we thank you for all the wonderful things that we will see next year. Great testimonies, Father, of healing and deliverance and protection, 
restoration, Father. Testimonies of those who receive you for the first time in their lives. We thank you, Father. And we shall see the salvation of the Lord in the people's lives around us. We shall see them raised up, Father, from terrible situations and terrible paths, Father. Many who are on the road to destruction, Father, will be turned around and follow the path to heaven.